0: Let's take a short break for this important message. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low-quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about Minicoders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, by registering for a free trial at tommullentalksfreedom.com slash minicoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit tommullentalksfreedom.com slash minicoders and start your free trial today. And now let's get back to the show. To Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Monday, December 19th, just a few days away from Christmas Day. And best wishes to everybody celebrating something right now, whether it's Hanukkah or some other. It's been a pretty eventful month so far in the world of things libertarians care about, especially in terms of what has become known as the Twitter files, which is Elon Musk allowing two left-wing journalists, Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, to report, on what was going on at Twitter before Elon Musk took it over. And generally, what they've told us is not very surprising that Twitter's management was actively suppressing conservative speech. I'm not sure they were really suppressing libertarian speech because there's just not enough libertarians for them to care about. But they were certainly suppressing any speech that went against the COVID narrative, the COVID regime that criticized lockdowns, mask mandates, or vaccine mandates, or that suggested that maybe the virtually untested vaccines might not be everything they were cracked up to be. And of course, they were suppressing anything that would hurt the Democrats' chances in the 2020 election, including the Hunter Biden Biden laptop story, which I maintain did not change a single vote, suppressing that story. I I don't care what poll anybody takes. Nobody committed to voting against Donald Trump was going to change their mind because of Hunter Biden's pictures with hookers and cocaine, just like nobody would have changed their mind because of Hillary Clinton's emails. But I want to pretend that that would have made a big impact for the sake of this podcast, because there's some things that I want to say about what we've learned and what it means. And basically, to me, it doesn't mean anything. First of all, I'm not surprised there, there was ongoing dialogue between the government and Twitter. I think we already kind of knew that. I think Jen Psaki, back when she was Biden's press secretary was pretty open that we're giving information to these social media companies what we consider misinformation that they should suppress or ban or whatever. And if you didn't know that the platform was also riddled with spooks as far as accounts, bot accounts, troll farms run by the government, then you were pretty naive. So the question that has come up, and I've heard as I said, I don't care what the what progressive <laughs> old libertarian party libertarians capital l would say about this i I really care about what the people that I think are the hardest core and truest libertarians think about this, like the Mises caucus, and maybe not a hundred percent of them, but most of them. I heard Dave Smith and Robbie Bernstein's podcast, and I'll just say that. I don't know who's going to run for the Libertarian Party presidential nomination. We've heard a lot of noise about Dave Smith. Barring somebody with as big a platform who's nearly as good or, or much better, I mean, I would imagine I'd vote for Dave Smith in a 2024 election in which he was nominated. Well, if he's nominated, I'll definitely vote for him. So I'm just giving you my biases. But I think there's still this huge blind spot of... Uh, as far as social media censorship goes with the libertarian movement, and of course, certainly the conservatives, I, I don't feel like it's all that surprising. Conservatives don't believe in the libertarian philosophy. And, and when I say libertarian philosophy, that doesn't mean do whatever you want, regardless of the consequences. The libertarian philosophy is pretty simple. Defend property rights, and that's it. And when it comes down to things like enforcing contracts, free markets, free enterprise, those are all consequences of defending property rights. So libertarianism doesn't advocate that there's some set of rights that exist on their own, like free speech, freedom of association, freedom of travel. Okay, these are not you have the right to what you own and you can speak freely on your own property and anywhere else you need the permission of the property owner. Now, we have these things, public spaces, and theoretically you could have something called the commons where, you know, the government doesn't own this property, but, you know, nobody owns nobody else has really homesteaded it either. I think that would be unlikely to occur any time if we abolish the government tomorrow. I don't think that all that government land would remain commons for very long. I think that it would be homesteaded pretty quickly given the population. And of course, that would be a good thing that it was all privately owned. And then As far as rights go, you'd have rights on your property and you would have to obey the rules that somebody else made on their property. If they didn't want you to talk about chocolate cake, then you could be forbidden from talking about chocolate cake. Or if they didn't want you to express certain conservative political values, although in a world without the government, political would have a different meaning if it was relevant at all, then they could do that. And so we don't live in that utopian world where there is no government. That doesn't mean that property rights are still not in force. So let me get right to the the gist of this. We've discovered there was all kinds of cooperation between the government and social media. And I guess where I'm coming from is I keep hearing the word but like I've heard Robbie and Dave and many other libertarians, whom I very much respect, say something to the effect of, look, it's a private company, and technically they can censor speech any way they want on their property, but now we found out that there was all kinds of government interaction with them. Well, there is no but. That but doesn't change anything. That doesn't change their property rights, not even 1%. The fact that the government was communicating with them and telling them what they'd like to censor. And I'll go one step further, even if the government was forcing them to do that. And I don't think they were, by the way. And I think we'd all like to believe that the government was forcing them to do this so we don't have to confront the difficulty that people may, in a private property world, do things we don't like, okay? And I think there's a lot of special pleading and a lot of wishful thinking that goes into the butt when we find out that the government was involved. Because even if the government was forcing them, well, that does not change their right to censor somebody. Now, if you want to say, then we ought to prosecute the government, absolutely, positively. If you want to say that the government was working in coordination with them, And we don't want the government to be able to do that, to be allowed to do that. And if there isn't a law in the books prohibiting them now, we should make one. Absolutely. Make as many laws restricting the government as you like. But there is no but when it comes to property rights. And let me say this. I thought it was clear, and this is several months ago, when Mark Zuckerberg was interviewed about this subject And he said that the FBI had told him that we think there's going to be a lot of misinformation, Russian misinformation in this election. Of course, that's wishful thinking by the left, that this is somehow a foreign influence. Not that foreigners can't put out information that, you know, they've done this for all of history. But no one had to tell Mark Zuckerberg what the foreign misinformation was. As soon as he saw the Hunter Biden laptop story he you know, decided that that was going to be suppressed because that must be the misinformation. Why? Because he believes the same thing that the government does. He's a progressive. He's a leftist. He is an anti-conservative, an anti-Trumper, and anti-all that other stuff. And, of course, anti-libertarian just happens to be. Again, we don't really figure in the calculations all that much. But so... When he saw the Hunter Biden story, he believed he was doing his civic duty, which also lined up with his personal interests, which is that Democrats win. And he suppressed that. And he had every right to do that, even if the government told him, you know, we'd like you to suppress that Hunter Biden story because we want Joe Biden to win. He still had a right to do it. Okay. And let me give you an example. If I started a social media that suddenly had tens of millions of of user accounts in the US, which is all, by the way, Twitter has is tens of millions, not hundreds, as I've pointed out before. But let's just say I had this, this platform. Number one, there is no free speech on my platform that I spent my money and continue to spend my money generated by the platform to maintain. There's no free speech there. There's you can say what I allow you to say. Now, I might allow a wide range of speech coming from many different perspectives, or I might say you have to recite the non-aggression principle before every post, okay? <laughs> I could do whatever I want. And let's say that Rand Paul became president and Rand Paul was funding or, or putting forth a budget proposal, as presidents sometimes do, They used to always do it, but sometimes do. I think they still do, but it's never passed. But in any case, Rand Paul puts forth a budget that says we should defund the Department of Education completely. Zero. It gets zero dollars. That's my budget. And then a whole bunch of leftists wanted to call Rand Paul a Nazi for doing this. And I said, you don't get to do that. In fact, you don't even get to criticize the proposed budget. Well, I have every right to do that. And I doubt that any of my libertarian friends would care much if I banned those people and the ones that would are misguided. This is private property. I can do things that happen to coincide with the government's wishes. Okay. If I'm forced, that's not on me. That's on the, the entity exerting the force. Okay. So all the action that would be required, should be directed towards the government to the, the extent they were involved. If if these social media managers felt intimidated, which I don't think they did, but if they did because people would say, oh, if you don't do a better job, we're going to regulate you. If they were intimidated by that, then it should be the government that's regulated. You're not allowed to intimidate. You follow me? There is no butt on the private actor here. If they were actually just like, well, you know, what I think Mark Zuckerberg and the team over at Twitter, which seemed even more commie than Zuckerberg does, by the way, what it really was with them was, hey, the government gave us a heads up. We got to do our civic duty here. We, we, you know, we're on it, chief, you know, I mean, I think that's the attitude that they took, but even if they had been forced or felt intimidated or coerced that does uh, in any way compromise the property rights of Twitter to go ahead and censor every conservative, kick them all off. I mean, they can do that. Now, again, and this is important, that doesn't mean we don't have the right to criticize that. Okay. Of course we can, I criticize the, you know, the, uh, when, I, when I lived in Florida and and still ate deli meat. And I mean, the people who worked at the deli meat in the local supermarket I where I lived in Florida, they moved like a glacier and I complained about it all the time. Yes, it's a private company. You can do what you want. You can hire a 90 year old who slices one slice of bologna every two minutes and absolutely you have a right to do that. And I have a right to complain and you have a right to say, well, complain on your own property or on your own time, Don't do it here in my store. Again, this is pretty easy stuff to me. And I think the last thing I'll say about it is that I think it's odious to have a platform like Twitter and pass yourselves off as some kind of open, free discussion and then censor stuff you don't like or that is politically, politically dangerous to the outcomes you'd like to see. So I don't like that. I don't like the idea that you could have a restaurant and only white people can eat at it. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, you're being a libertarian. It's not the same thing. You're being autistic. No, I'm not. It is the same thing. In fact, banning black people from restaurants and hotels was a lot worse than banning conservatives from Twitter, okay? I mean, these people had to drive hundreds of miles sometimes to find a place to go to the bathroom or risk being arrested for doing it outside. This was a pretty terrible thing. But I'm the guy who wrote the article on Lou Rockwell, gut the Civil Rights Act. And basically what I said was you should get rid of titles 2 and 7, which are the ones that address what private property owners and private employers can. And no, I don't think there should be a law that says you can't discriminate because of race or any, anything else. That doesn't mean I like it, but that's private property. You either own something or you don't. And it's no accident that the civil rights movement in the 60s, which was sorely needed, by the way, was led by communists. And you had this communist outcome, a, a private business, just because it serves the public is in this special category where property rights rights don't apply. So I don't agree with that. And really, no libertarian should agree with that. And, And not only would a free market have solved that problem today, where nobody thinks like this anymore, it would have solved the problem back then, even in the Jim Crow South, because you have to remember Those laws that were made by state and local governments, the Jim Crow laws, were there because there were some business owners that wanted to serve black and white customers at the same time or in the same place. If there weren't, they wouldn't have had those laws. You know, the motivations for the people who wanted to integrate their establishments might not have been all that noble. I mean, I'm sure there were some people that said, oh, I don't think it's right I want to serve both more likely it's like, well, I'm not doing as well as some of these other restaurants. Here's an opportunity for me to change the game and disrupt the market, serve, you know, everybody. And that's my, you know, my innovation. And Completely selfish because, as we know, the invisible hand of the market has created everything good about society. So we don't need people acting in noble or selfless ways to produce good outcomes. Uh, The people who wanted to integrate their establishments in the Jim Crow South, resulting in them passing Jim Crow laws, were probably acting in their own self-interest, just like the owner of the baseball team who let Jackie Robinson into the major leagues, just like all the other sports teams' owners who allowed black players into the league or onto their team. Again, I'm not saying that none of them thought this was the right thing to do, but we really didn't need them to think it was the right thing to do because it was obviously in their best interest to let these superior athletes to the ones that were playing onto their teams. So just to kind of bring it home, Yes, it's 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 awful that social media platforms are riddled with spooks, that the government coordinates with them to suppress certain kinds of political speech. This does not compromise the social media platform owners' property rights. And uh, one thing about that, Elon Musk owns Twitter outright, as far as I know. I don't know if he has partners in that. I I, I assume that he has creditors, but. Facebook, I'm not sure what percentage of Facebook is owned by Zuckerberg. It's a publicly traded company, so hundreds of thousands or millions of owners have shares in Facebook. I probably do in one of my 401ks or or some retirement account from a past job. So if if you don't like what the management is doing, as a shareholder, you can also... Exert shareholder power there too. So, really, when you're talking about property rights, you're not talking about Mark Zuckerberg's property rights unless he owns a majority of the stock, which I doubt he does at this point. Maybe he does, but I doubt it. And just assuming he's a minority shareholder, the majority of the stockholders could remove him as CEO. Okay. They could elect a new board, they could fire everybody if they cared that much about it. So it's not like this one guy has all this power. He has all this power at the shareholder's pleasure. So that's another little wrinkle I think never gets brought up when you they talk about you know what these companies are doing. But at the end of the day, if they want to press speech that happens to coincide with what the government also wants suppressed, they have a right to do that because it's their property. I, we don't have to like it, but we certainly don't have any any reason to compromise their rights in any way. and I, and again, you know, all of the libertarians that I care about tiptoe around and bury somewhere in there that there shouldn't be any government action about this. Come on, guys, you're leaving it out there for everybody to to make draw that conclusion that somehow their property rights are diminished because they've acted, in a way that the government wants them to act. And that's not true. And then the the one other thing that I remembered uh, hearing on the Dave Smith's, the part of the problem podcast with Dave and Robbie was that the the argument for having free speech, that if you were the owner of a platform that you should have free speech is that the truth is on our side. The only thing I'd say in response to I think you're putting way too much faith in the truth to win out. And this goes back to some more libertarian, wishful thinking. You know, I know that there are still some people out there that believe that Ron Paul lost the Republican nomination in either 2008 or 2012 or both because the media suppressed his message. And that's just delusional to me. Ron Paul got way more media attention than really his support was worth. And and everybody got a pretty good opportunity to hear Ron Paul's message. And the problem wasn't that Ron Paul didn't do a good job and the problem wasn't that the media suppressed it. The problem is that the overwhelming majority of the American population don't agree with us. Now, that doesn't make them right. We know that what's best for those same people who don't agree with us, pro- property rights, free markets, free market and money, minimal or no government, we know that those are the best things for them. But people are emotionally tied to what's not in their best interest. And this is the great struggle of history. I've I've often wondered, how did the American public that existed from rough 1776 until I don't know. Pick a date. Some people say Lincoln ended it, but at least until the Progressive Era, there was some semblance of this libertarian republic. You know, how did it ever happen? Because human nature seems to be to be emotionally invested against freedom and against private property, even though those are the things that contribute to the most. Human flourishing. So, I don't think the truth being on your side is necessarily the end of that argument. With unfettered free speech and among the general population, I think that, you know, the kind of government we have right now wins out. That's why we have it. So, there's all kinds of ways we could go into tearing that apart. But I'll leave that there and just say that, again, yes, it's terrible the government worked with Twitter and vice versa. That does not compromise Twitter's property rights or the owners of Twitter's property rights one iota. And if any action should be taken, it should be at the government. And even to the point of not allowing them to talk to social media platforms at all, there is no restriction on the government that would be too severe for me. And I think that's the real libertarian position. So I think I'm going to get another episode out before the big day on Sunday. Ho, ho, ho. And if not, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, happy whatever the Muslims are celebrating, the Buddhists, the Mithras worshipers, if there's still any out there. I love you all, and I hope you have a great week and a great holiday if I don't talk to you before then. Don't forget that my book, An Anti-State Christmas, is available again for download for at antistatechristmas.com. And you can also pick up a copy of the paperback. If you do it today, you might still have a chance to get it as a stocking stuffer for some friends or family at Christmas. It's priced very low. I think it's somewhere around four bucks. But antistatechristmas.com, get my free download at least and get all of that great material and if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at sings.com Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to freedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.